All right, good evening, family. We are going through the book of Revelation together. If you're new here or visiting, surprise, that's where what we're doing. Basically, the book of Revelation is a book all about the revealing of Jesus. How, how incredible Jesus is, how, how, how amazing he is. He's way more amazing than, than, than even John was perceiving uh, before, before he gets this revelation. Uh, and, and so we get to see this, this great Jesus, the worthy one, being revealed and then taking his great power and making everything right. See, the thing is, God's people have been wronged. And, you know, if you're, if you're part of God's people, you, you understand. You, you, there's, you've been wronged. Maybe you've been mistreated because of, because of your connection with Jesus. Maybe you've been misunderstood or, or mocked or whatever. Well, Jesus is going to make it all right. And there is going to be justice for all of God's people and joy. Justice and joy for, for all of God's people, those who have trusted him. Now, worse than God's people being wronged, God the Father, God himself, uh, God himself has been supremely wronged. He's been supremely wronged. People have, have returned on him. He's been hated. He's been disobeyed. What did he do? He made all things. He, he created all things. And he's been wronged and rejected ever since the day Lucifer turned away from obeying him and walking his way. Supremely wronged. And so Jesus, as we go through the book of Revelation, as we're seeing how he is and what he is like, he is in the process of stepping forward and bringing about the justice and intervention of God to make things how they were supposed to be with the end result being, Revelation chapter 5 verse 13, with the end result being that every creature on earth uh, and in every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne, God the Father, and to the Lamb, Jesus, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. That is what Jesus is in the process of, 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 of doing in these chapters that we're looking at. That's the end goal, his revelation of his, his goodness and power and justice. Now, thus far we've looked at Revelation chapter 1, which was this uh, view of Jesus, uh, glorified Jesus, Jesus as he is now glowing, all-powerful, all-knowing, incredible Jesus. Uh, he has hair, I know, we, we talked about that. And, and then we, we, uh, Jesus going through the seven churches, uh, of, uh, seven churches in Asia Minor, and he's writing these letters. And then after that, we saw a glimpse of the throne room of heaven, where God the Father is seated on the throne, he's being worshipped, and the, the living creature crying, holy, holy, holy. Lord God the Almighty who was and is and is coming and so we see this great worship scene and then in that moment you see the lion lamb the lion the lamb Jesus step forward and take the scroll the scroll out of the hand of God the Father nobody else was worthy to take the scroll or open its seals but Jesus was because he was slain and so he takes the scroll and he starts breaking the seals the seven seals and as he breaks the seals things happen such as the four horsemen of the apocalypse are, are really oh sorry I gotta say that better the four horsemen of the apocalypse apocalypse that they're released and, and the first four seals and then seal five happens and there's the, the, the martyrs underneath the altar are crying out for justice and then there's seal six is broken it's basically the wrecking of heaven and earth and then there's this pause because after that 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 um that six seal is broken there's a question hanging over 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 the the book it's who can stand who is able to stand when God starts taking his power and, and bringing judgment, justice on the earth? And so, so John then takes a chapter and he answers that question, who can stand on that day? And it's basically those who have given their lives to Jesus, whether they're on earth 
or those who are giving their lives to Jesus who are in heaven. Like those are the ones who can stand, those who have given their lives to Jesus and who are sealed and, and, and purchased by him. And then he goes back and you see the seventh seal is open. And it, when that is open, there's silence in heaven for about a half an hour. Like, it's just like a, a great pause, like what is about to happen? And in that moment, you see, you see the, the very clear connection with your prayers and justice. That, that, that when people, when God's people cry out for justice, for justice, it will be heard. And you see God taking these prayers and, 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 and listening to them and acting on the prayers for justice. And then the seven trumpeters step forward to announce the next round of, of judgments. That's kind of where we, we left off in our study of Revelation um, a, a few weeks ago. Now, zooming back, a basic chart of this section. Basically, we're in a, a part of the, the book uh, uh, that's considered the tribulation from chapter 6 to chapter 18, the great tribulation. So we're looking at it at different times, and, and when we go through this, we're going to see that there are seven seals that were broken, and we've, we've looked at that already. Today, we're looking at the seven trumpets, and then there's going to be seven something else, oh, signs, seven signs, uh, and then there's going to be seven bowls, right? And so you're gonna, we're going to look at each of these, seven, and then interspersed between them are, are some visions of what's going on in earth and heaven. And so, for instance, with the seven, with the seven um, seals, we had that vision of, of the, of the 144,000 on earth who had been sealed, and then the vision of the people in heaven, a vast multitude uh, in heaven. So you have that. Now, again, it's going to follow that same flow as we go into the trumpets. Now, if you're thinking about the seven trumpets, and you're thinking, this is the tribulation, a lot of people want to ask, when in the tribulation are the seven trumpets going to take place? And the answer is, that probably depends on your view. <laughs> we talked about the four views of Revelation last week. Um, some people would say the first half of it. Some people would say the second half of it. Um, Others would say they have no idea. But anyways, it takes place during the, uh, the tribulation, during this time. Let's look, at these, let's look at these trumpets and what happens when, when these trumpet blasts sound announcing judgment. I'm going to be picking up in Revelation chapter 8. I'm going to be picking up in verse 7, right where we left off last week. And yeah, let's look at God's justice taking place. Chapter 8, verse 7. The first angel blew his trumpet, and hail and fire mixed with blood were hurled to the earth. So a third of the earth was burned up. A third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. That's a, that's a cuddly verse. If you wanted a life verse, uh, you can consider that one. Uh, the second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain ablaze with fire was hurled into the sea. So a third of the sea became blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star blazing like a torch fell from heaven. It fell on a third of the rivers and springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood. So many of the people died from the waters because they had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that the third of them were darkened, a third of the day without light, was without light, and night as well. I looked again, and I heard an eagle flying overhead, crying out in a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who live on the earth, because of the remaining trumpet blasts that the three angels are about to sound. Okay, so as you can see, like, there's some devastating, drum, uh, devastating judgments taking place when these trumpets are sounded, but they're limited. A third, 
a third, a third, a third, a third of the, a third of the, the, the earth burned up, a third of the sea creatures dying, a third of the fresh water made bitter. By the way, wormwood, it, it, this, is a, this is part of that revelation demonic imagery. Uh, stars, meaning angels, demons, they're, they're fallen stars connected to the demonic, uh, very common throughout this book. We'll see it a little bit more as well. Uh, named wormwood. Wormwood is the name of this demon or whatever, but it's also a name of a weed in the Middle East, and wormwood makes the water bitter. Huh, who knew? Uh, bitter. Not, not poisonous, not poisonous, but it makes it bitter, horrible for drinking. Anyway, so this demon uh, causes a third of the fresh water to be made horrible, third of the light. But that's the first four, but it's about to get worse. It's about to get much worse because there's this woe that's about to happen. There's only three woes in, in, in the book of Revelation, and it's not like, whoa. No, it's woe the fifth angel the fifth angel blew his trumpet and I saw a star that had fallen from heaven to, to the earth the key to the shaft of the abyss was given to him he opened the shaft of the abyss and smoke came up out of the shaft like smoke from a great furnace so that the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke from the shaft then locusts came out of the smoke onto the earth and power was given them like the power of that scorpions have on the earth they were told not to harm the grass of the earth or or any green plant or any tree but only people who don't have God's seal on their foreheads they were not permitted to kill them, but were to torment them for five months. Their torment is like the torment caused by a scorpion when it, when it strikes a man. In those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. The appearance of the locusts was like horses equipped for battle. Something like gold crowns was on their heads. Uh, their faces were like men's faces. They had hair like women's hair. Their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had chests like iron breastplates. Their, the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running, rushing into battle. And they had tails with stingers like scorpions so that, they were, they, so that with their tails they had power to harm people for five months. And they had as their king the angel of the abyss. His name is in Hebrew is Abaddon, destroyer. And in Greek, his name, uh, he has the name Apollon. The first woe is past. There are still two more woes to come after this. Okay, so this is both the fifth trumpet and the first woe. And it seems pretty clear that what happens in, in this fifth trumpet blast is awful. That, that a massive uh, amount of demons are released to torment people. Now, how, how do you get that? Well, you've got the, the falling star again, given the key to open the abyss. The king is the destroyer, that, that's the name. And you've got these, these locusts swarming out. They're not plant-eating locusts, they're people-tormenting locusts, right? So you, you've got these, these people just being tormented. Now, now just think about this. Have you ever been tormented on the inside? Like, like your mind, like you, or, or your heart and you, you've lived and you've just and you've, you've faced this day and, and there's just you're just tormented on the inside about something just tormented well imagine you know like these multitudes of, of demons being released to torment people who don't believe in Jesus just, just to get in there and just agony they, they're so bad they want to die but they can't they're just being tormented, tormented. If you've had any taste of this, you know this is awful. And that's why this isn't just a trumpet blast. This is like a whoa. No, oh, this, this is awful. It's horrific. 
That's the fifth one. Then there's the sixth one. The sixth angel blew his trumpet. From the four horns of the gold altar that is beside, uh, before God, I heard a voice. Save to the sixth angel who had the trumpet. Release the four angels bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who were prepared for the hour, day, month, and year were released to kill a third of the human race. The number of mounted troops was 200 million. I heard their number. This is how I saw the horses in my vision. The horsemen had breastplates that were fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. The heads of the horses were like lion's heads, and from their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. A third of the human race was killed by these three plagues by the fire the smoke and the sulfur that came from their their mouths for the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails for their tails which resemble snakes have heads and inflict injury with them gosh this sounds awful the rest of the people who were not killed by the plagues did not repent of the works of their hands let's say that again the rest of the people who were not killed by the plagues did not repent of the works of their hands to stop worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver bronze and stone and wood which are not able to see hear, or walk and they did not repent of their murders their sorceries their sexual immoralities or their thefts okay again what a what a horrific time now i just read that i read that pretty quickly um those six trumpets but can you even imagine living in a, in a day like that. I mean, when you think about some of the people who are so terrified of climate change, okay? Okay, I see. I see what's going on. I'm not knocking that at all. But now, ups, ups, like, ramp it up. A third of the sea has just been destroyed and all the creatures in it. A third. A third of the earth has been burned up. Can you imagine the news? Can you imagine the terror of people on the planet? A third of the people on the planet just died. A third of the people on the planet just died. A third of all the fresh water. I mean, can you just imagine knowing what, how people can feel now about, about how things are? You ramp that up to that level? I mean, the, the, the terror, the, the fright, the, 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 yeah, just how, how incredibly tormented the world is going to be. And yet, no matter how horrific things are going, people are going to refuse to repent. They're going to re refuse to acknowledge God and, and his work. And, and this, this is what reminds us of what God is doing. His aim, remember, is that every creature, God's aim is that every creature will repent and rightly worship him. Repent and rightly worship him and obey him. Now he gives them time to repent. He gives them time to see the world is being wrecked. It's just falling apart. He gives them time to turn and be saved. But with all that's happening, people are just going to refuse to see it. And they're going to refuse to acknowledge, acknowledge God's hand in it. Now before you point, to the, future, uh, point the finger at those people, um, you, you've, you understand we live in a generation that refuses to connect dots to God. When we see these big, scary events going on in our world, most people are not connecting. Oh, that's God at work. Especially things like this. A third of the earth just died. Oh, that's God at work. We don't, we don't connect dots to God. We connect them to, to people. We connect them to this government. We connect them to that. We're not connecting them back to the spiritual realities behind the events. We've been indoctrinated to not viewing world, the world being impacted by a very active God and very active spiritual forces. 
So even though the world is falling apart and, and, and it's been written about in advance exactly how it's going to happen, the survivors are refusing to, to see and acknowledge God's hand at work. Although they have time to repent, they won't. Now I want to make a comment here about the tribulation, which we're looking at. I was raised as a Christian to be terrified of the tribulation. You, you, you hear stories about it like as a kid in Sunday school and like the, the beast and the false prophet and the antichrist and, and how they're just gonna just, just, just kill and murder and, and, and the suffering of God's people. And, and I, I was just terrified by, by those, those thoughts. But you know what I'm seeing when I'm looking in this book? I, I'm seeing, well, I think I'm seeing what Jesus wants us to see and what, why he wrote this. However much Christians might experience suffering from the beast and the false prophet and the Antichrist, it is nothing. It is nothing in comparison to what the enemies of God, those who will not repent, those who will not give their lives to him and be saved, it is nothing like the enemies of God uh, are going to face when, when, when Jesus takes his great power and he brings justice and he sets about to make things right. How he's going to punish those who refuse to give their lives to Jesus and, and punish those who refuse to obey God. Christians ought to be way less afraid of suffering uh, Christians ought to be way less afraid of the, the rejections, the, the torment, the persecution than unbelievers ought to be in facing the discipline, justice, and judgment of Jesus. Being on the wrong side of the Antichrist seems pretty scary. But it is terrifying to be on the wrong side of the real Jesus, the real Christ. It's terrifying. So anyways, that's the sixth trumpet. And again, now, just like with the seven seals, before we get to the seventh trumpet, there's another pause. There's a pause, and you see that, that after the sixth trumpet, the world refuses to repent. And you're like, okay, okay, now what? Now what? And there's a great question, a second great question hanging over this break. The, the first break was, who is able to stand when God starts doing this? Now the question over this break is, what will it take for people to acknowledge and repent? What will it take for people to acknowledge God and repent? What is it going to take for people to turn to Jesus? The wrath of God being poured out, the justice and judgment of God being poured out is not enough. People are not acknowledging God. They're not repenting because of that. If that doesn't work, what will? And so like before, with, with the seals, we get to see a few answers to that question, two answers to that question in the form of two visions so John sees the first one he says then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven surrounded by a cloud with a rainbow over his head his face was like the sun his legs were like fiery pillars and he had a little scroll opened in his hand he put his right foot on the sea, his left on the land, and he cried out with a loud voice like a roaring lion. When he cried out, the seven thunders spoke with their voices. And when the seven, uh, when the, yes, when the seven thunders spoke, I was about to write. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up what the seven thunders said and don't, do not write it down. Dang it. That might have been interesting. Then the angel that I had seen standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven. 
He swore an oath by the one who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it. There will no longer be an interval of time. But in the days of the sound of the seventh angel, when he will blow his trumpet, then God's hidden plan will be completed as he announced to his servants the prophets. Okay, what is the hidden plan of God that he announced to the servants of prophets? You know. You know, we're going to find out more in a, a bit, but, but it's the, the hidden plan of God that he has announced. He is, it's, it's exactly what God has always promised from Genesis chapter 3. Je, uh, uh, Jesus, uh, son of, I don't know, son of, son of uh, Eve, son of Abraham, son of David, son of David, um, the, the one that was going to be born to be king forever in the line of David, the one who was going to be born, son of Eve, to crush the head of the serpent, the one that has been talked about from the beginning, uh, that, that, is, that is the hidden, uh, the hidden plan of God being, being fully revealed. It's been revealed to the prophets, now it's being revealed to everyone so that every knee bows in submission to the, to the, the king of kings, Jesus. We know uh, it's Jesus from the New Testament, and, and, and yet the question is, how are we going to get there? How are we going to get from here, a world completely unrepentant, a, a world in active rebellion against God, how are we going to get from here to there, a world that is fully submitted to King Jesus? How are we going to get from here to there? Well, well that's, that's the question, and it's going to be through the outpouring of God's goodness and his justice and the judgment of God to those who won't submit to him, as well as granting the people opportunity to repent, if they will. Now, the voice, verse 8, that I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, go take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who is standing on, on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, take and eat. It will be bitter in your stomach, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I ate it, my stomach became bitter, and I was told, you must prophesy again about my many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. Okay, this is almost exactly from Ezekiel chapter 2. This happens to Ezekiel as well. And it's about having this scroll. It's about internalizing the message of God. And, and it tastes sweet because it's about God and, and Jesus and the goodness and, the, and, and yet it's bitter in the stomach because it's going to be rejected, it's going to be hated, it's not going to be believed, believed in. What will it take is the question. What is it going to take for the nations to acknowledge God and repent? Sadly, it, it, the wrath of God isn't going to do it. Sadly, the, the message of God through the apostle John is not going to do it. John is going to be bringing a message. He's going to be bringing a message to the world and, and it still won't be enough for the nations to repent. And so there's another vision of two witnesses who are testifying about the truth of God. In chapter 11, it says, then I was given a measuring reed like a rod with these words, go and measure God's sanctuary and the altar and count those who worship there, but exclude the courtyard outside the sanctuary. Don't measure it because it is given to the nations and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. I will empower my two witnesses and they will prophesy for 1,260 so 1, days dressed in sackcloth 
these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone wants to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and consumes their enemies. If anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this way. These men have the power to close up the sky so that it, it does not rain during the days of their prophecy. They also have, uh, have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every plague whenever they want. When they finish their testimony, the beast that comes up from up out of the abyss will make war with them, conquer them, and kill them. I don't think we've read a lot about the beast, but that's coming more soon. Stay tuned. <laughs> Uh, their dead bodies will lie in the public square of the great city, which prophetically is called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. And representatives from the peoples, tribes, languages, and nations will view their bodies for three and a half days and will not permit their bodies to be put into a tomb. Those who live on the earth will gloat over them and celebrate and send gifts to one another because these two prophets brought judgment to those who live on the earth. Nobody likes judgment, right? One of the big discussions is who are these witnesses? When I was in seminary and Bible college, everybody's like, oh, I, it's me, it's me. It's gonna be me. I'm gonna go to Jerusalem and, and hello world. I'm gonna be one of those. I mean, sign me up. I, 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 everybody seemed to want to be the, the guy who fire comes from their mouths and consumes their enemies. Um, man, they weren't very pastoral now that I think about it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's like, uh, I had a lot of that in seminary. Some people would be like, um, it's Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah, some would say, kind of coming back. Um, others would say Enoch and Elijah. And the reason for Enoch, Enoch, he walked with God and then was not because God took him. Those are the two people who didn't die in the Old Testament. So here, here they are. Um, it's pretty weak reasoning, but that's what some people would say. Uh, some people look back to Zechariah chapter 4, and that's interesting because you have the same imagery there. You have these two people Joshua the high priest, not Joshua Jericho walls, different Joshua. Joshua the high priest and Zerubbabel, who was the, the political ruler at that time. And they're, they're called like the olive, uh, olive branches that, and were dripping the olive oil into the lampstand, the golden lampstands for, for, for that. You see this very similar imagery in Zechariah chapter four. So some would say it's something like Joshua high priest and Zerubbabel political leader in that kind of power there. Uh, some people would say it's the church. This is the church, the church being, being persecuted. And you, we talked about how the, the church is represented as lampstands and, and you see the lampstands imagery there. Some people would say, oh, it's, the, it's future, future prophetic, it's future empowered uh, prophetic people that God's gonna rise up. Uh, and, it, and it could be any of those. Uh, I don't know. I've, I changed my, my mind depending on exactly which verse I'm looking at. I'm like, oh, could it be the church? Oh, could it be future? I, I tend to think, go back and forth between future prophetic people and, 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 the, and the church or whatever. Uh, but whatever it is, whoever it is, the, these two witnesses, the olive trees, the lampstands, the question that we want to know and that we're asking ourselves is, is the powerful three and a half year testimony, as powerful as it is, is that enough to get the nations to acknowledge God and repent? Is that enough to do that? No, no. And so they're killed. They're killed for witnessing about God and the nations are gloating and are happy and are, 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 are giving gifts to, to one another. But then finally we read this. 
But after three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them. They stood on their feet. So great fear fell on all those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. They went up to heaven in a cloud while their enemies watched them. At that moment, a violent earthquake took place and a tenth of the city fell and 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake. The survivors were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. Take note, the third woe is coming quickly. Okay, that's interesting. What will it take? What will it take for people to acknowledge God and repent? It wasn't the judgment of God. It, it wasn't the testimony of God through the apostle John. It wasn't the powerful work of these, these witnesses, but it was the resurrection of these people from the dead and being called up in, into heaven, ascending into heaven in front of, in, in everyone's, with their enemies viewing on, and there's this earthquake that kills 7,000 of them. Finally, you see people giving glory to God. So if the witnesses were the church, we're looking at here the beast destroying the church in the, Revela in, in the book of Revelation. In the, sorry, in the tribulation. The beast destroying the church, but then God's people being resurrected just at the last trumpet, just before the seventh trumpet, at the last trumpet. Uh, and you're seeing that imagery. If it's two prophetic people in the future, the message is the same. That finally, finally those who live, maybe they don't repent, but they do finally acknowledge God. They acknowledge God and they rightly attribute um, God's activity. Okay, so that sort of answers the great question after the sixth trumpet. What will it take for people to acknowledge God? And so finally we get to the seventh trumpet. Now remember when we, when we hit the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven uh, for about a half an hour. What happens when we get to the seventh trumpet? Well, this, it says, the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah and he will reign forever and ever and there it is there it is the the hidden plan of the ages finally fulfilled where the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah. He will reign for it. That has been the aim of the ages. And after the seventh trumpet, that is being announced. That is finally coming into place. It is not silence. It is celebration. It's loud. It's joyful. And we keep reading. The 24 elders who were seated before God on their thrones fell face down and worshiped God, saying, we thank you. The, uh, we thank you Lord God the Almighty who is and who was because you've taken your great power and begun to reign the nations were angry because your wrath has come the time has come for the dead to be judged and to give the reward to your servants the prophets to the saints and to those who fear your name both small and great and the time has come to destroy those who destroy the earth God's sanctuary in heaven was opened and the ark of his covenant appeared in, the, in his sanctuary. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings of thunder, an earthquake, and severe hail. This passage is one of the reasons why I have a hard time with some of the end times views that claim we're currently in the millennium, whatever they are. Ones that are, claim we're in the millennium because here it's a very clear announcement of now you, the time has come. Now you are taking your great power. Now, now the kingdom of the world has become. And, and there's a very sense that after the seventh trumpet, now this is taking, taking place. 
And what does Jesus do as king? Now that he's, he's he rewards all of his people, those who fear him, small and great. He, he rewards those who have followed him. The aim of Jesus' plan is to be the king who reigns over all and rewards all who follow him. I want to make two comments. Two comments. In our generation, there's a lot of people who want the things of Jesus, the things of the kingdom of God. They, they want justice. God, we want justice. They want grace. They want forgiveness, the things of the kingdom of Jesus. We want, we want forgiveness, grace, help. God, we want your help, God. We want your guidance. Tell us what to do. They want the things of the kingdom, but they don't want to be submitted to the king. They want the things of the kingdom, but not submitted to the king. There's lots of people who want God's goodness and, and justice and help to be poured out, but they don't want to bow their knee and their lives to Jesus and say, Jesus, you are not only my hope, you are my king. You are my king, and I will serve you. Jesus, you say, don't do this. And so, I will choose to not do this because you are my king. Jesus, you say, do this. And I say, you are my king. I am terrified, I'm afraid, but I'm going to choose courage and obedience because you say, do this. And so I'm going to do this because you are my king. Too, too many Christians, they, they, they want the Christian thing without the submitting thing. Jesus knows those who are his. He says, Jesus says very clear and, and scary words, like in Matthew chapter 21. When he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, or Master, Master, or King, King, or whatever, like Supreme High One, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Saying that Jesus is Lord of your life is not the same thing as actually serving and following Jesus as your king, your Lord. Are you just wanting the forgiveness thing, but not the submission thing? Jesus called you to follow him, to serve him as your king. Don't just say yes. Live yes. Live yes. That's the first thing I want to say. The second thing I want to say is, There's so much in this book I don't understand, right? I mean, some of the imagery is just like, wow, wow. Uh, are these two witnesses the church? Are they, are they people? Are they Moses, Elijah? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. There's so much I don't I know. But, but when I look at these two witnesses and, and their, their, their role, it reminds me of you. You as a person. See, the thing is, if you have given your life to Jesus, you have also been empowered from, from God to be a witness in your sphere. So those people had been empowered to be witnesses in, in Jerusalem, but you have been empowered by God to be a witness in your sphere, your workplace, your, your studies, your, your, your classes, your, your families, your, your, the, your flats, your, 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 the areas that you live in, the streets that you walk in, the buses that you ride on, the, the, wherever, the, the restaurants you eat in, the cafes that you, you, you frequent. Like you have been empowered by God with spiritual gifts, with, with, with understanding, with understanding that God, God will forgive those who 
who give their lives to him with uh, the simple sense of the gospel. You have been empowered to be witnesses that Jesus is real, alive, forgives, and loves. You've been empowered with, with that. And you may be rejected like these witnesses. You may be um, persecuted, misunderstood, made fun of, scoffed at. But someday, like these witnesses, you too are going to raise from the dead and you're going to hear the voice of God saying to you who have given your life to Jesus, come up here. Come up here. And you will get to be with God forever. Whatever sufferings and rejected, rejections we need to suffer for and, and endure for Jesus as we witness in our generation, they're going to be well worth it. So much better than the sufferings of those who've refused to turn to Jesus. What, what, what strikes me when I read this book is everybody suffers. Are you seeing this? Everyone on the planet is going to suffer. Those who are, are following Jesus are going to suffer from the Antichrist, although we haven't seen that yet. That's just a little sneak peek. Uh, those who, who, who um, don't follow Jesus, they're going to suffer because of the wrath of God. Everyone's going to suffer, but who's going to be rewarded? Only those who follow Jesus the king, not the destroyer, is the king. I encourage you to give your life to Jesus uh, and be saved. Way better to, to surrender your life to, to the one who will protect you from the wrath of God and reward you for walking in his ways. My, my challenge is, um, so we're in the 40 days of prayer here. And, and we're praying, and you know, you've picked pick that one thing that you're praying for. If you haven't done the 40 days of prayer, if you're not doing the 40 days of prayer, um, welcome. I mean, the, the, most of you are doing the 40 days of prayer, I'm sure. But like, uh, feel free to dive back in. I asked you originally to pick one thing and be praying for it for 40 days. Now I'm asking you to add a second thing. Add a second thing. Add to your prayer someone who you, who you want to see repent and submit their lives to Jesus and be saved. Somebody you, got, you want God to just open their eyes so they would believe. We've seen examples all the way through the book of Revelation in these last couple of chapters of people who did their, God's work is all around them and they're just not connecting the dots. God, connect the dots for our friends. Connect the dots for the people in our family. Help them to see. Help them to believe. Help them open our eyes. Um, it, it's convenient. This, I'm setting you up for the Day of Atonement fast on the 9th. The, if, you, if you're not used to fasting, um, welcome to Rehope. Stick around. We won't eat. It'll be great. But we also do feasts. We feast as well. Uh, so like on that day, we, we're going to set aside that day to just be fasting for salvations. Now, have this person now, add it to your 40 days of prayer, and then add it to that fasting day, day coming up. And let's just go for seeing people turn to Jesus and be saved. Oh, excited about that. Now I'm going to pray for you, but, but some of you, uh, you, you have been pondering. You've been pondering your own, your own salvation and your standing before God. And I'm going to give you an opportunity in a moment to give your life to Jesus, to, 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 to repent and, and to give your life to Jesus. But maybe you're sitting here thinking, mm, I'm not ready yet. I, I, want to I want to hear more. Well, here's my challenge to you if you're not ready. The ninth the fasting day, the 9th of October, I want to set you a challenge to try and decide by then. By the time we get to the fasting day, try and decide by then. What is it going to take you to make that decision? Do you need to have a conversation with someone? Have it. Do you, do you, need, to, do you need to 
whatever you need, set the ninth as a day where your aim, okay, I am going to make a decision. Don't just leave it out there indefinite. It's time to decide. Jesus is returning, and it's good to be on his team.